today I hopefully want to finish off the Great Commission. I said hopefully. But I don't know about you. If you were asked to go into any Bible story, would you like to be at the feeding of the 5,000? Would you like to be on the road to Emmaus? I don't know. One of the things I'd like to have been is the verse I read today. I'd like to have been in the crowd and suddenly John shouts out, Here he is! Here's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I believe John got so excited about Jesus. Wow, the one I've been talking about, the one I've been this commissioned to do. Here he is at last. He's come. He's come. He's come. And I don't know about you, but someone once said to me during this week, he said, you've been talking, Pastor Eddie, a lot on Jesus coming back again. And I said, yes, because it's exciting. Just like John shouts, Here he is, the Lamb of God. One day you and I will shout exactly the same. Here he is, he's come, he's come. So I'm sorry for getting excited. Oops. Ooh, Alan, sorry. He's not here, he's gone, he's raptured. Uh, Oh no, he's there, sorry, he's at the front. You generally sit there. Listen, listen, in the Pentecostal movement, you're not allowed to move seats unless you pass to say so. Okay, now, but in all seriousness, listen. Listen, Jesus, I want you to know that Jesus is not someone in a myth. He's not someone who is in history. He's someone who is both in history and the present and the future. I want you to understand that. Why can you get excited about Jesus? He's someone who has been both involved in creation and redemption and restoration and soon he's coming back and you know the wonderful thing is come and follow me you have an invitation this morning Jesus says come and follow me we can play a part in the kingdom of God and that's why he gave the great commission and in Mark 1.17, you can read it too. Come, follow me, Matthew. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. I'll teach you. I'll direct you. I'll show you. One thing about Jesus, he wants to do that in your life. In Jane's life. And all those old people at the back. He wants, he wants them to come and follow him. To teach you that what life is really about. And the first thing I want to do this morning is to say, if you've never discovered Jesus, I'd love you to discover him for yourself. Because I want to tell you, if you see nothing more in this message, is that Jesus personally invites you to come and follow him. It doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care where you are, because he knows that anyway. All he cares about is you coming to follow him. Because he knows what's in store. Second of all, we'll learn that being a disciple is a work in progress. And that you're going to have good days, bad days. And that isn't stopping you being a follower of Jesus. Jesus says, come and learn from me. Think of the disciples. If you ever get depressed, think of the disciples after three years. Jesus says this to them. How long have I been with you? You still haven't got it? How long? And when Jesus rose again from the dead, they... They only had one thought in mind. They said, are you going to now restore Israel back to its proper glory? Are we now going to see you kick these Romans out and let's have everything? They still hadn't grasped. 
They still hadn't grasped what they were about to do. I want to tell you that encourages me because, listen, my life's a progress. Your life is a progress. You are on a journey. You're not on a sprint. You're on a marathon. So get encouraged when you get down. Listen, pick yourself up. Come to Jesus. He wants you to learn constantly and train and be a master for Jesus. And thirdly, we learned last week that God wants us to seek first his kingdom. Remember Solomon last week. All is vanity. All is useless unless there's a God in it. And that's why I believe Jesus is relevant. Because life doesn't have any meaning unless Jesus is in it, from my point of view. Now, I want to ask you two questions because you're very bright people. Matthew mentions the kingdom, but what has he got missing? Why does Matthew keep mentioning kingdom, kingdom, kingdom? The whole gospel is filled with kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. And he misses something very, very important out. If you understand that, the four gospel writers wrote the gospel writers in a different way. They didn't all copy each other. So let's say, I'm going to use this very loosely, that these four gospel writers, godly gospel writers. So Kevin sat down and he wrote his gospel the way Kevin saw Jesus. Wendy did, Margaret, Margaret did, and Alan did. And they wrote their Gospels in a different way. They're not exactly all the same. You don't get exactly. And, and Matthew, when he wrote his Gospel, he decided that he wanted to tell his readers that Jesus is a king. He was only interested in letting the, the Jewish people who he wrote to, to let them know that Jesus Christ is a king. And so he focuses his gospel on Jesus being a king. So that's your first question answered. Mark focuses his gospel on Jesus being a servant. In other words, Jesus came to die for us and to heal people, touch people. And Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark, there's more miracles happening in Mark than any other gospel. Simply because Mark focuses on Jesus being a servant, doing the work of Jesus, which is now called us to do. So Matthew tells us Jesus is a king. And tells us to come and follow the king. Luke tells us that Jesus was a wonderful, wonderful man. And the whole thing about the, the Luke's gospel, he presents Jesus as a human being and all that is glory. And talks about ladies more in the book of Luke than he talks about in any of the gospels. He's just a man who obviously is extraordinary man. But the Gospel of John, John wants you to know that Jesus is nothing else but the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning. All things were created by him, without him wasn't anything created. In other words, John starts his first three verses saying, this Jesus, this Jesus actually, although he's come in human form, actually created the universe. It's why you see, it's why you see Mark... And John, don't tell you the Christmas story. And that's the reason. Because Mark tells you about Jesus being a servant, and in those days, servants didn't have any birth. You had nothing, you were just a servant. You lived, you died, your name wasn't even mentioned. So Mark says, I'm not going to write the Christmas story. John says, well, I can't write the Christmas story because Jesus Christ has no beginning and he has no... He's the Son of God. 
But Matthew says, well, I want to write the gospel story because I'm telling you that Jesus is a king. And do kings have birth? Everybody proclaims a king, don't they? So that is why you get the gospel story, uh, the Christmas story in, in uh, Matthew. Luke says, well, I want to tell you that Jesus was a great man. Oh, I better tell them because great men's names were recorded in history. And that's why Luke gives you the birth of Jesus. It's not coincidence that Mark doesn't admit it. And it's no coincidence John admits it. There is a particular reason why they admitted it. So let's get back to the second question. What is, why does Matthew admit the ascension? Matthew doesn't tell you that Jesus has gone to heaven. Matthew ends his gospel telling you that Jesus Christ has risen again and gives you the great commission. He gives you the great commission but leaves out the omission of the ascension. And the obvious reason is this. Matthew still wants you to know that Jesus is a king. And that Jesus Christ is going to be a kingdom on this earth. So Matthew leaves you with the thought of this, that Jesus Christ is coming as a king to this world. I want to tell you something. We need not look at this world as it is at this present time. Your king is coming back to reign in this world. There'll be no more wars. This world might as well get understand this. I believe, Edward Lawrence believes, Jesus Christ is a king. He's coming back to reign. He will put an end to all wars. I believe Jesus is coming back as a king and there'll be no more famine. I believe Jesus Christ is coming back as a king. There'll be no more colour bar. I believe Jesus Christ is coming back as a king and children will go to school without being shot. You see, I believe that when my king comes, he will reign in righteousness. And Luke's, Matthew says, I'm not going to tell you about the ascension because I want my readers to understand. And if you read the gospel of Matthew, he tells you that Jesus was born a king. Jesus lived as a king. Jesus died as a king. Jesus rose as a king. And Jesus is coming back as a king. Behold, your king comes, shouts Matthew. Ride and triumphantly. Lift up your heads. Rejoice, your time is near. Your king is coming again. The wonderful thing is, I keep coming back to it. He invites you, Mary. Into his kingdom. He invites you. To be a part of what I've just been speaking about. Don't you want to be a part of a kingdom. Where there's no war. Can you imagine? No war. Can you imagine where no little babies go to school hungry. Can you? Can you imagine where. Colour. Has no discrimination. When Matthew Luther King. Sorry, is it Matthew Luther or Martin Luther King? I've got Matthew on the brain. But Martin Luther King stands there on that wonderful... Do you remember that speech? Remember that speech in the 60s? I believe there's a day coming when black boys and black girls will... With white boys and white girls will join together. 
It's one of the most wonderful speeches ever. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Martin Luther King's going to see that happen when Jesus comes again. And that's why I'm preaching to you this morning about kingdom. Because one of the great things of the Great Commission is that we go out and make disciples to bring them into the kingdom. There is a kingdom. And Jesus said, come, follow me. And the Gospels give us a clue to how we follow Jesus. And there are just three things that I wrap the whole thing up. We need to be disciples and followers of Jesus. So we can go out and make disciples and followers of Jesus. Because I'll tell you something. I can't wait for the kingdom coming. Cannot wait for the kingdom to come. Broke my heart a few weeks ago to see yet another killing in his school. When little children can't even now go to get educated before they're gunned down in a classroom. See, if I lived in America, I'd be terrified to get my children to school. We live in the most crazy world, don't we? We live in a world where people are really, really, really concerned where they're going to feed their children. I want to tell you something. We need to look at a king who's going to put everything right. John shouts out, Behold the Lamb of God. Why don't we shout out, Behold the King of Kings? This world has a future, but only if it will recognize the King of Kings. Um, so glad I'm going to be part of the kingdom. Not because I deserve to be. But because in his grace and mercy. Reveal that he is my saviour. And three things we're going to focus on now that won't be long. The first thing is the hardest one I have to, to deal with. And that is I have to follow his way of obedience. I don't know about you but I'm not great at obedience. I wasn't as a child. I never was as a child. I don't know about your two little children, but if there are anything like me, the naughty step was always left open. I just, just, just. If the teacher said, I want nobody to talk for the next five minutes, I would just say, what did you say? <laughs> and then I was out and they caned me. Seriously. And in those days, you know, you got the cane. Do you remember those days when you got the cane? Ooh, ooh. I didn't hit you hard enough. Get it out. Ooh. Thank you and goodness. I remember getting six of the best on a regular occurrence. And those days you didn't go home to tell mommy because she gave you six of the best. So you ended up getting 12. So it was best to say, Mama had a great day today and I was really good. Yeah, so yeah. Okay, I'm not going to go. But listen, I've always had a problem with obedience and then I got married. Uh, no, um, but listen. Listen, I don't know about you. But the first thing I do now, and I get into a car, is stick the blooming satin nav on. You probably don't. Someone said, go to King's Heath the other week. And I still like to put a satin nav on. I didn't know where King's Heath was, Kevin. I had no clue where King's Heath was. And then somebody said, Smitherwood. Is it Smitherwood or Smallwood? Or... Sorry? A skinful of what? Skinful? Well, even her. And I just... I just stick the sat nav on and say, take me, take me, take me. Uh, listen, I realise that before I go any journey, 
I need to make sure I know where I'm going. Oh, seriously. I need something to guide me, seriously, still in Birmingham after all this time. I know my way to Costa Coffee, and I know my way to the Holy Land in Sunderland. I know all those places. But even, in fact, I went to someone's house in Tamworth a couple of Mondays ago, and the first thing my wife said is, listen, is the sat-nav on? (laughs) And then... I had instructions how to get there, and the car wasn't taking me to the instructions that you, that, that, that you uh, were given. And so you think to yourself, who do I trust? The person who lives in the house. Seriously, the person who lives in the house, right? Or the sat-nav. You then have choices, haven't you? And I want to ask you the question, whose advice are you listening to? Where are you going for your direction in life? I'm serious. Because Jesus said, come and follow me. And if I'm going to follow Jesus, the first thing I need to know is, how on earth do I follow him to obey what he has to say? You see, he walked on earth 2,000 years ago and left his four Gospels in which you will find how to follow Jesus. Because a lot of people are taking us in a wrong direction. And I don't know whose advice you're listening to. Because if we take all the advice that are given us by human people, we can be like Solomon and end up like Solomon. That life is just not working out. If you want life to work out, the first step of following Jesus is to obey what Jesus says. And he has written the Gospels for us. He's also written the Epistles. How does a church operate and following Jesus... It's written in the epistles. We have been given 66 wonderful books and which guide us and direct our life. We have been given a wonderful thing called prayer when you say, Jesus, I don't know which road to take. I'm leaving it with you, but I'm asking you to take me and you'll be surprised when you relax after saying that prayer how Jesus will take you. Because we don't live by sight, we live by faith. Thank you. See, these old people at the back, they know the answers. They've seen the notes. What I'm saying to you is, you cannot live your life by sight. You live it by faith in God, don't you? You put your trust in God. And the first thing that Jesus said to his disciples, without me, you can do nothing. But with me, you can do Can I seriously ask you, who are you following this morning? Where do you go for your direction in life? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And the big issue is, who do I go to to seek the first? And my issue would be to say to open up your Bible. That would be my first call to you. The second thing is, I would ask you to get... A commentary, or a good commentary, a few comedies, and just if you don't understand it, ask God to help you through his spirit and get some direction. Go and see your pastor. Your pastor should be there to help you to to, to minister. By all means, take advice. But your main advice, I believe, is still in the Bible. I believe it's in the scriptures. I believe we'll find things to seek advice. And the invitation is simply, listen, if you want to follow in the kingdom of God, Obedience has got to be number one. 
And I'm really serious on this. You cannot follow someone if you're not prepared to go the way that he wants you to go. And that's why the, the following Jesus' life is different to any. In all seriousness. Your children one day will grow up and will have to decide a future. But I believe God's already called that future. I do. I believe your granddaughter's future has already been decided by the king of kings. You might think that is fantasy, but for me it's a fact. I believe he knows where he wants to take you in the next five years. I truly, duly believe it. I believe he's planned our ways. I know the plans that I have for you. What was the children of Israel's biggest issue in life is they refused to follow God. They ended up 40 years in the wilderness because they refused to follow God's commandments. And you can waste your life if we do not follow God's commandments. I want things to happen in my life, but that isn't looking at the way things might turn out. I have to be prepared that if God says something, that I go in that direction. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He <laughs> shall direct your path. It's not hard. Because the great thing about being a follower of Jesus is you ask God to do something, you relax and allow God to open up stuff. Isn't it great? If you've got money issues, if you've got a job issue, if you've got children's issue, you can just simply say, Father, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, I know you have the way. I know you know my direction in life. You are my sat now. Will you show me? And you know, he's such a loving God that he wants you to follow him, so he's naturally going to what? Show me. He knows. You don't need to be concerned about your children if you commit them to Jesus. I'm serious. Commit your children to Jesus. Teach them to ask God. Tell them now at four and five year old, you can talk to Jesus. I'm sorry, but they can. They can talk to Jesus. Because that's the second thing I'll tell you about obedience. Is simply talk to Jesus. You don't have to be on your hands and knees. Jane, when she's getting her, her face done up, she can be talking to Jesus. She has a couple of hours, at least. You can be talking to Jesus. You can be talking to Jesus in the car. But please keep your eyes open. You can be talking to Jesus at this making dinner. You can be talking to Jesus. Come on. You can be talking to Jesus at the sink. Just keep talking to Jesus. That doesn't mean I'm on my hands and knees. It means I'm talking to Jesus. I very spend little time like this. I just talk to Jesus throughout the whole of my day. I just talk to Jesus. 10 to 11 tomorrow morning. Jesus, I'm just about to start the Bible college. Come and just, you know, have your way. I've prepared, but I want you to go well. Talk to Jesus. I'm on the barge. And I can't get this church. Just talk to Jesus. You don't even have to talk aloud. Do you know that? 
You just talk what's on your heart. Jesus, I can't be at church today. I'm on the barge. Would you just bless those people in, in all nations? In all nations. It, uh, where are we? Wherever we are, just bless them. All nations. This may not be coming across very good this morning. It may not be simple. But I tell you, that following Jesus is simple. If we are prepared to do number one, we are prepared to follow him in obedience. See, I know someone who knew they had to do something, they didn't do it, and they had no peace. And then the next time it came around, they did it. Because that's what happens when you follow Jesus. He does, he opens doors for you like no other. He does. He's the greatest person to follow. He really is. Because he's the only person who has your best interest at heart. We are going to wrap it up now. But if we are going to make disciples into that community, we have first of all got to be disciples ourselves. Are we following Jesus? He didn't tell us to go and get a maths degree. He didn't go and tell us to do this. He said, follow me. Do what I commanded you to do. Go to the Gospels. Second of all, I believe to be a follower of Jesus means you, must, you need to have in your life compassion. You see, I believe Jesus was the master of compassion. Consistently through the New Testament, Jesus showed compassion for people. You see, Jesus couldn't turn around and look at people who had been with him all day, hungry, and just send them away. He said to Philip, let's feed them. And Philip said, well, it's impossible. But Jesus had compassion. Jesus saw a poor widow who her son was dead and she now had no hope for living. And so he just touched the coffin and the guy got out. He did it not for the miracle, he did it because he had come passion. Jesus stood at the graveyard of his best friend and he wept. He wept. And then he told Lazarus to come out. I want to tell you what compassion have we. For a world that is wounded. A world that is in turmoil. A world that is seeking for something in a world in which we live. See, I believe this. God gave me this verse and I believe it's not just for me. I believe it's for all of us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. Because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, To preach deliverance to the captive. To recover sight to the blind. To set at liberty to them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the, of the, the Lord. And he closed the boot. He gave it to the minister. He sat down. And everybody's eyes were fixed upon him. And he said to him. This is the day. The scriptures fulfilled in your ears. I have come to heal. The broken hearted. I've come to help those who are struggling in life. And if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you can't turn your back on a world that is wounded and healing. There's a place for us like no other community. We are called because the Spirit of the Lord is on you. The moment you come to know Jesus is your Savior, the Spirit of the Lord fell upon you. The Bible tells us if we don't have the Spirit, we're not saved. So to have... Salvation means we have the Spirit. 
And I believe God has called us all in this community to help the poor, heal the broken heart, deliver those that are captives, and do what we possibly can for the community in which we live. And thirdly, finally, finally, the Bible says, be you imitators of Christ. That means we should try our best to copy everything that Jesus did, doesn't it? Be you an imitator of Jesus. He makes it quite clear. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you must imitate Jesus. You must be a copy of Jesus. And therefore, Jesus was in full obedience to his Father. Jesus was full of compassion. And Jesus was full of power. And I believe you and I need to recognise that we are a people of power. We are a people of power. We're a people of power. Vince Hallis said this, we're not going to move this world by criticising it. We're not going to move this world by conforming to it. But we are going to move this world by combustion with our lives, ignited by the Holy Spirit. I love that. I need the combustion of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. We have power in our lives. That's what sets us apart. That's what means we can do all things because of who has been with us when he walked this earth. But he who is with us now and he is going to be with us in a time to come. God is going to give you divine opportunities. He is. Every day this week you will get an opportunity to do something. You in the playground taking your little boy to school. You may just have a mother come over to you and just pour out your heart in school. Do we walk away? Oh, I'm sorry. Are you a Christian? No, oh, I can't talk to you. That was a myth that went out years ago. Be ye separated. Oh, don't touch them. The Bible talks about separation, not isolation. Can I be serious with you this morning? We're in an opportunity to tell the world about Jesus. Because only he is the answer. And take divine opportunities. Take divine opportunities. Jesus loves every human being, no matter what they believe. He loves them. And if we can be a light to them, let us be a light to the world. Let's show love. We don't have to agree with everyone's principles. You can still love them. You still love them. I'm the chairman of the school. I'm part of the, the whole school. I'm not part of the whole school. There's some stuff going on in the school now that's totally alien to me. But I am not going to stop going into that school because I want to be a help. I want to show, imitate Jesus. I wonder, do you, do you take divine opportunities God has passed you? We're going to end. We are ending. Am I going to be following Jesus this week? One, I've got to know what he wants me to do. I've got to obey his commandments. I've got to have compassion. And I've got to understand this, that I 
can go in the powerful name of Jesus. Let me end with these words. Go you into all the world. Making disciples. Baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Teaching them everything that I have taught you. That's why you've got to read your Bible, haven't you? Everything that I taught you, you have to teach them. Let me end you with this. But lo, I am with you. Lo, I am with you. That's the power. Even until the end of this age. Because all power and all authority has been given unto Jesus. All power, all authority is given unto Jesus. Behold, your king comes. And we are going to be invited into a kingdom. of everlasting kingdom. What a kingdom to be invited into. I hope you're coming into it. And I hope you're going to tell other people. There is a kingdom. There is a king. And God gives you an invitation this morning. God bless you.